English is a second language for me, so. <laughs> well, that's French. That's for say, clearly, clearly French is first. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm your host, Kyle Hill, and on today's episode, we have not one, but three special guests. Three special guests for a roundtable series I'm calling What the Hell Is. I'm joined by certified financial planners, Andy Flattery of Simple Wealth Planning, Mike Zung of Java Wealth Planning, and Tyler Landis of Tandem Financial Guidance. Before we dive right into our episode, I need to remind you this is for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as advice because I'm not your financial advisor. However, I could be if I did my proper due diligence and evaluated your personal situation. The best way to get that process started is to schedule a call with me, and you can do so by going to my website located in the show notes. That's me pointing down to the show notes. And with that out of the way, here we go. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We're back for uh, 2021 and uh, have with me some repeat offenders in my uh, bottom bottom screen here. Got Andy, Andy with a voice that can melt butter. Hey, Kyle. Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me back. And then to my right, I have Mike. Hey, thanks for having me back. A voice that can... Melt faces. The next of kin to sexual chocolate. <laughs> and then uh, in th- my diagonal in the bottom corner here, I've got Tyler. What's up? How's it going? Tyler, the champ of the Cat Pack Fantasy Football Leagues. Ugh, it hurts saying that. So, um, and and uh, president of Financial Planning Association of the Greater Kansas City Area, if I'm correct. That is accurate, yep. So we're in a big company here. So, uh, well, welcome back, guys. Uh, wanted to bring you back onto the podcast to talk a little uh, personal finance stuff. Um, something I will note that we are all members of the KC Financial Advisors Network, a newly launched network for um, individuals looking for independent financial planning experts in the Kansas City area. And I had nothing to do with this. Mike is the one that built the beautiful website. Mike and Donovan took this on. So uh, you guys did a great job and made us look good. Um, I'm just riding the coattails here. So, um, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. Great website. And um, Mike, anything you want to chime in about that before we get started? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun making it, um, you know, tapping into my, to my tech background to, to build the site. Although I, I don't know if I consider Squarespace to be that tech heavy, but, um, and then, you know, just ran with the, with the Nelson Atkins birdie for the, for the logo. Yeah. It, it looks slick. It looks slick. So you might get a side hustle in building websites here. So yeah, yeah we, we were Donovan and I were kicking around that idea. So, you know. <laughs> so um, I guess quick thing on that: everybody has to be a certified financial planner to be on that um, website. We are all independent 
um, taking a fiduciary oath. I know everybody's like, what the hell is a fiduciary? Maybe we'll cover that in a future episode teaser there for you. Um, yeah, cool. All right. Before we get started, what are we all drinking today? It's uh, a little after three on a Friday afternoon. Um, I'm rocking Martin City Brewery Showtime. Mike, what, what do you got going on? Um, I, I had to go back into the recesses of my fridge and got a, got a Modelo. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Tyler, our beer expert. Yep. I, uh, I've got a lot of barrel aged darker beers, uh, this season. So I had to, it seemed a little early for that today. Uh, so I, I dug back in the back and I pulled out a, uh, Cobra scare or the great Cobra scare from mother's brewing company in Springfield. It's a, uh, Says it's an Ozarks sour wheat ale. Oh, whoa! You're fancy. Is that pretty good, Tyler? Yeah, uh, I, I first time having it, so I've had a couple sips now. Not bad. Not too sour, actually. Um, so pretty solid. I see you actually have the proper glass, the the proper sour glass as well. I guess, yeah. A little tulip. Yeah. Certified beer judge, right there. And uh, you know, I love sours, so I've got that next. I've got the new Boulevard Barry Nior. Nor English is a second language for me, so <laughs> well, that's French. That's gonna say clearly, clearly, French is first. Um, Andy, what are we rocking, buddy? Yeah, I'm drinking uh, my favorite every man's beer, which is Coors Light, and uh, the mountains are blue, which is scientifically <laughs> proven to show that it's cold. So, there you go. <laughs> Very nice. Some silver bullets you can buy you a truck and silver bullet. And... <laughs> Yeah, whatever that song is. So awesome. Uh, how was everyone's Christmas, real quick? What'd Santa bring you guys? Andy? Our Christmas was good. We were just talking before the recording that it was COVID free. So that was wonderful in 2020. Um, in, in our family, so I'm the oldest of five. Myself and three of my brothers had babies in 2020. So, like, it was actually a pretty good year for us. And so it was really cool to get the family together and have four newborns in the Flattery family in one house. Um, a lot of crying, but also a lot of joy. It's awesome, man. You guys talk some 529 plans too. You slide that in there. We talked some 529 plans. I, you know, I'm also an advocate for just a custodial account. For some people, maybe that's a way to go as well too. Glad it was COVID free. Tyler, how about you, buddy? Uh, we also added a uh, daughter to the family this year in April. So, nice. um, and then I've got a three-year-old uh, older daughter. So this was the first year she kind of, uh, you know, experienced and enjoyed the the magic of the season. You know, bought into everything. So it was cool to see her get excited. Um, you know, we did some some qu extra quarantining and, and testing, and uh, everyone tested negative, and were able to see grandma and grandpa a little bit. So. Uh, that was nice. I feel like our our infant uh, kind of got robbed of that this year a little bit, you know, uh, grandma snuggles. So it was nice to have some of those. And uh, I think my uh, what I got for Christmas, my uh, best gift was a Bose speaker for the office. So enough of this headphone stuff and laptop speakers. Now I can really pump up the jams when I need to. Very nice. Yeah. Seeing Santa this year was uh, quite different from previous years. So um and mike is sitting there laughing at he, all of us like you suckers yeah 
I've got two older kids and it's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely did not add any kids this year. So no, mine, are, mine are 12 and nine at, at this time of recording. So, so we're, that ship has sailed now. Um, so yeah, but Christmas was good. It was, it was pretty laid back. Um, I'm actually, I'm the youngest of seven. Um, and usually the seven of us are able to get together for either Christmas or Thanksgiving every year. And Christmas was, you know, it was supposed to be Christmas this year, but that this is the first year in, in about 14 years that we haven't been able to get together. So that was kind of a bummer. Yeah, I'm there with you, man. So I, I guess I'm the only one uh, who tested positive for COVID. So we, we had a quarantine COVID Christmas this year, so it was not the plan. I'm okay if anybody cares, um, but more importantly, my family's okay. So that's, uh, that's what matters. So it was very um, basically asymptomatic, mild symptoms, getting tested out of precaution. So we could spend time with the family over Christmas, and that was a fail on my part. Mm. So, um, but if you listen to previous episodes, uh, the episode eight, with uh, Ryan Gerstner. Do you know, Andy, do you know Gerstner? I saw your comment in LinkedIn the other day. Well, his brother, his brother Randy is a friend of mine. Um, oh, so nice. when Randy got married, Ryan put together a hell of a bachelor party. And uh, he had Liberty High School booked for us so we could play hoops for like three hours. And so we had a pretty intense basketball game going at that new gym up at Liberty High. Small world. Well, I won't challenge him to basketball. He is a KU fan. I'm K-State. So right, right. Um, but if you were listening to that episode, you would have heard that I asked Santa Claus for uh, some of those Bowflex weights, the cha change weights. Um, he delivered. It wasn't the Bowflex. It was um, some other Chinese brand. And he delivered one. So I'm, I'm still waiting to buy the second. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Hey, it was a great gift. Um, yeah. So still, still waiting to use it though. <laughs> Guys, thanks for being on today. And so kind of going through this here, Andy. So, so you're, you call yourself a financial advisor, right? Yeah. And Mike, you hold yourself out as a financial planner. The way I know that is I have your beautiful, uh, you upped your game on this, your uh, business card here. Job, yeah. job wealth planning for geeks and those who love them. These are some solid cards, but you have financial planner on here. Yeah. Um, Tyler, you call yourself financial planner. I call myself financial planner. There are other terms I've heard, financial consultant, wealth advisor, wealth manager, the list goes on and on. So tell me, what the hell is a financial planner? Tyler, kick it off for me, man. Well, you kind of reminded me there uh, of what I call myself, because I, uh, I don't know that I would have remembered right offhand. Um, you know, I think in the past, I've been everything from a financial associate to a financial uh, planner, financial advisor, um, you know, the, the terms get tossed around and for the most part, they're interchangeable. Um, I think the one kind of catch is that, you know, if a 
for a firm to be considered a registered investment advisor um, is a design, is a uh, you know legal term a registration issue. Um, so to call yourself a investment advisor um, takes a certain level of scrutiny and uh, um, oversight. But you know, for me personally, as a financial planner, um, fits better with what I do uh, rather than investment advisor or um, I mean, financial advisor, I think I chose financial planner just because it's um, that, you know, it's a, a one step different than, you know, I think advisor maybe gets lumped in with investments in terms of how the public perceives it, maybe. Um, and so financial planner better fit how I work um, from a, a planning perspective first, and then the investments fit, uh, fit in where they need to, to support the plan. So I guess that's how I conceptualized it in my mind, but that doesn't mean that it's right or wrong or that uh, I don't do the exact same thing that a financial advisor who chooses to kind of work in a similar way um, would be. So um, yeah, you're right. That's why it's tough. Yeah, I think he nailed it. You know, if you if you read um, like the Michael Kitsises of the world and the Bob Veris who like helped me understand like the world that I'm living in right now and in, in the financial services arena. Um, it seems to me that like we're trying to get to this point where um, financial planning is a real profession. So to this point, um, you know, there's no doctors in the financial planning space. Uh, there are no quote unquote attorneys in the financial planning space, but it seems like we're trying to work to get to that point. Um, and so we have some of these names, some of them are maybe more made up by the industry than others. Um, as Tyler kind of alluded to, the reason why I call myself a financial advisor is because is like me, myself, I'm a, I'm a CFP, I do financial planning, but I also still kind of am in the investing world. Um, that's where I came from. That's my background. Like we still manage assets for clients here. Um, and so that, that's kind of a, as Tyler pointed out, the public perception of maybe what a financial advisor is, which is maybe a little distinct from financial planner. Um, but what the hell do I know? Yeah, no. And, and I remember you mentioning that on the episode before that you were on is it's just more recognizable calling yourself financial advisor. Whereas when I've told people that I'm a financial planner, I get this look like, what do you mean? And then they just shake and nod like, Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think what we're we're getting at is kind of these are all just made up names to describe what we do, and there's no um, regulatory name um, that is specific of you know to something like a, a medical doctor or something like that, or um, and, and so I think that's kind of where everyone gets confused is there, there, there's no set terms that we have to use. The, the industry doesn't define specific um, names that we have to use or that we can't necessarily use. So um, and it's interesting to see some of these creative names that they've created to describe their job functions. But um, Mike, in, in, anything else you kind of want to weigh in on that? Um, I mean, just a it's kind of echoing what everybody else said, but um, kind of similar to Tyler, the reason why I said financial planner is is that it's not, I'm very planning specific. And even to the point of my firm name, whenever I was figuring out what I was gonna call the firm, 
you know, I was thinking Java wealth management and I didn't want it to be management, you know, just, just cause, cause a lot of times, whenever you talk to people, they just think of a financial planner or a financial advisor as, Oh, you know, then you just, I have a hundred thousand dollars and this is how you tell me how I should invest it. Whereas, you know, quote, real financial planning is it encompasses so much more stuff. And so, and so that's why, you know, I'm very planning heavy. And so that's why I, I keep using that term all the time. But I mean, yeah, like everyone else says, advisor is, is fine as well. I guess, you know, I didn't come from this industry. And so I guess I kind of came in with a little bit of preconceived notions and negative connotations of certain, certain terms and everything. But, you know, it's at the end of the day, I I think where, where you're kind of leading towards is that, you know, we, it'd be good to lead more towards some standardization so that there's less confusion out in the world because yeah, getting into a lot of the, a lot of the real creative names that people use, you know, whenever you say that I was smiling just because I think of, there's a lot of the people that say I'm a personal CFO and, and other titles like that. Yeah, that's interesting. So like when I, when I started my firm, um, it's called Tandem Financial Guidance. And the reasoning there is the the feeling that I wanted to kind of connote with and uh, communicate with the brand was that I was, you know, not a planner so far as like, here's your plan, have a nice day, or an advisor where I'm specific to investments, if that's how it's perceived. Um, you know, to me, financial guidance was more of a collaborative effort where I'm sitting down with a family to help guide them through um, their their goals and, and, and what they want to do with their money and, and, uh, and how they, um, you know, what they do with it. But I would never call myself a financial guide on <laughs> my business card because I feel like that's a little too outside of the box where maybe would not be seen as, you know, credentialed or, um, you know, not maybe not a real job title kind of a thing. And, and not to, I mean, I think there are, there are certain standards like with financial planner or financial advisor or wealth manager, some of those that are a little more not mainstream, but, but kind of what you would expect. And if you get too outside of the box with what you call yourself, it can, it can raise additional questions that you might, you know, not, you know, you might not want to have those questions raised in your, your client's minds. Like, uh, you know, what is this guy calling himself and what is he trying to hide with that title? Like, you know, is he, is he actually qualified for the, for the services he's offering? So, to me, there is there's some leeway there with what you would call yourself or how you would name your firm. But at the end of the day, I think as an advisor choosing or a planner choosing what to call themselves, it's a, a mix between kind of what message you're trying to send um, and also also fitting the boxes that we're kind of forced to put ourselves in. What, what's the most creative um, title you've ever seen out there, Mike? Um, I mean, yeah, the ones that come to mind are the personal CFO, the financial quarterback. Um, uh, one, one that I actually like is it's, she's a fellow XYPN member. I think it's like your financial mom, something like that. Pam. It's uh, Pam. Yeah. I love Pam. Can I just say yeah. this, even though it's kind of ancillary, um, what about just life coach? I always feel like that's amazing. Like, like, wow, like you're so uh, good at life that you can coach others to be wonderful at life as well, too. It's 
it's not really the same thing, but I feel like there's some people in the financial planning space that are kind of playing in that orbit as well too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, did anybody ever see that John Oliver episode where he was talking about financial advisors and basically the gist of it is anybody can call themselves a financial advisor, um, kind of to the point that we're trying to make here. Um, he has a thing on there where you can print out a certificate that says I'm a financial advisor, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you, you can call yourself financial advisor. And if you want to start getting paid for financial advice, that's where you draw the line, right? And so that's where um, <laughs> that's not advised to call yourself financial advisor and start going and charging fees when you're not actually properly registered. And so um, I guess- well- I was going to say, even there, Kyle, it, it's it's so specific to investments. I mean, there's it's definitely a gray area, but to receive compensation for giving investment advice is what triggers um, compliance issues, right? That's where you would need to register with your state or with the SEC. Um, but you can call yourself a financial planner, a financial advisor, financial coach, whatever it might be, and even charge a fee for giving financial education and even financial planning to an extent until you start bumping up to uh, how it impacts how the client would invest. And at that point, uh, then you can get into real trouble if you're not registered properly. So, I mean, not to add another layer of confusion on top of this, but. Uh, that's, yeah. why, that's why I brought you on. You're, you're a rules guy, you know, <laughs> you know the rules. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think it kind of brings the question then, how does the average person you know, obviously it's not someone that's listening to this because they're not the average person. Uh, but how does the average person figure out what is what and who the hell they're working with? Right. So how do you, how do you explain that to people when they want to know, okay, is this, who is this person that's calling themselves a financial planner, financial advisor? Um, what do I need to look for to know what I'm getting myself into? Um, I think, I think people just want to know that they're not going to get screwed. Right. And so how do we guide them to find, figure out who it is they're talking to and, and, and figure out, you know, what they need to be looking for without the, all the, uh, regulatory jargon and everything that makes it all confusing. Hey, Kyle, can I just riff on that for a second? Because I think it's a really important point. Part of the reason why all of this exists in the first place, all of this confusion and the kind of mu- the muddledness and the the lack of clarity is um, like the, the whole kind of financial services industry is kind of a black box. There's just not really all that much information out there about what people are actually doing. Like, what is it that you actually do here, right? The office space line. Um, and I think um, a lot of that is like, <laughs> Honestly, like I think a lot of these firms, like a lot of these big incumbent firms, they kind of like it that way because they are happy to um, continue to make their clients warm and fuzzy to charge a 1% fee and not necessarily have to like open up the black box of information. And so I think the shining lights are people like Kyle Hill who are starting a podcast, people like Mike who are doing videos that actually shows how he solves problems for clients. Um I think that's the way out, right? You can't do testimonials, at least not yet. I think that's coming. But um, there's going to be a lot of problems with that. But at least testimonials do at least allow a little bit more information to be out there for clients 
we all know there's going to be good and bad that's going to come with that when that comes down the pipe. The last thing I'll say with this is um, there's probably an opportunity for a life insurance agent or a stockbroker to just be super honest about what they're doing. Um, you know, instead of calling yourself a financial planner that just sells whole life insurance, why don't you just say, I, I help young families acquire simple term life insurance? Um, that's so simple. And I think that would really be very helpful. Or like, I'm an old time, old timey stockbroker. I help old dudes in their 70s pick blue chip stocks because some old dudes in their 70s still like to do that. And that's okay too. Maybe they're not a fiduciary. Maybe you can't open a retirement account with that. Um, but that's okay too. So I think maybe in the future we'll see more clarity out of people like, you know, like let's let's open the black box and just be more clear about the services that we're actually providing. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. You you did a you did a podcast before you're in about your favorite movie stockbrokers or financial advisors in the movies, right? Remind me of that. Which one was your favorite? Yeah. So the best, at least as far as I can tell, the best financial planner or best financial advisor in movies is the Jonah Hill character from Moneyball. You guys, are you familiar with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He was willing to think outside the box. He was willing to kind of like um, think independently, right? Which is a big thing for all of us here. And, uh, and basically the Oakland A's were able to win, uh, having the smallest payroll in, in, in the league in the early two thousands. So, um, he was my favorite, right? He's not flashy. Um, in fact, he's like this chubby guy in a bad suit. Um, but that's the guy you want. You want the genius. That's going to be like behind the scenes telling you which smart money moves to make. They just couldn't win when they came to Kansas city. That's all. <laughs> Uh, quite possibly the best game I've ever seen at is best game I've ever seen. So that wild card game in 2014. So, um, yeah. So, um, any other, any other thoughts on how we figure out who these people are? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would say, and I know we're, you know, I might be biased, but you know, I think a quick way is looking for credentials, right? So looking for if if you're a CFP, then that says that you have gone through the rigor of you know the the, the coursework and the experience, um, and have signed this fiduciary oath to to say, okay, I I'm this is the way I have at least this level of experience. And this is, you know, this is the standard that I'm being held to. And so from that perspective, you know, that that adds a, a layer of, um, yeah, a, a, a gate that, that you have to go through and not just, you, you can't just walk off the street and say, yeah, you know, I'm a financial planner and I'm a CFP too. Like you can't do that. So that's the first one that, that, that comes to mind for me. And so, and so that that kind of brings up maybe some uh, technical terms, um, not to get too deep into the weeds, but kind of the the two things you're looking at when you're talking about kind of official title to look for um, is registered representative, and then investment advisor representative. And so people are probably wondering what the hell are those two things, and what how do they fit with financial planner, financial advisor, that sort of thing. Um, Tyler, if you, you want to you uh, tackle this one for us a little bit? 
give us your thoughts? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the first without the Michael Kitsis response, long-winded <laughs> Michael Kitsis, very technical response. I'll give plenty of caveats. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Is is how are they? How is your prospective financial professional um, registered, or who do they work for, or under what umbrella are they operating? So, um, you can be a registered representative of a broker. You can be an investment advisor representative, an IAR of a registered investment advisor company. Um, there's a big difference there, right? So if you're a registered rep of a broker, you're typically in the business of transacting and, and buying and selling stocks, financial products, whatever it might be. Um, you may also give investment advice, but your principal duty is as a representative of that, that broker. Conversely, if you're a, an IAR, a, a, an investment advisor of an RIA, a registered investment advisor firm, um, you're in the business of giving advice for compensation rather than transacting um, financial products. Um, my Michael Kitts' caveat here is that, you know, one isn't better than the other necessarily. It's just that the consumer needs to be aware of who they're working with and how that professional is being compensated and feel comfortable that they're receiving the value that they expect for the amount that they are, you know, paying through whatever means, right? So I don't know that, uh, you know, one method of operation is necessarily better or worse on its face, uh, but it's how that individual, uh, you know, uh, professional is representing themselves and how they're doing business with the client in, in an open way. Um, so th th I think those are the two big, like if you are, um, registered by a larger entity, you're usually either a registered rep or an investment advisor representative um, of a broker or an advisor firm. Uh, beyond that, once we get into kind of life coach, financial coach, um, you know, those, those kind of titles, they may not be registered with anyone and may not legally need to. And, uh, you know, as long as they're not holding themselves out as being more than they are, there's not an issue there, but that's where it gets really murky. So I think if, if a client is looking for a specific service from either a broker or an investment advisor firm, um, that would be the first thing to make sure is that the person you're working for um, is, you know, credentialed and regulated um, as that type of professional. So I'm trying to stay above the weeds there, but uh, you know, I'm a simpleton. So, yeah. um, so basically kind of the, general understanding is registered represent. So both of these require the person to take a test, pay a fee, right? It doesn't require any necessary experience. It's just, can you pay the fee and pass the test? Um, and then, you know, be hired by affiliated with a company, um, whatever. Uh, and so kind of general terms here, registered representative, those are your typical stockbroker, right? They're going to have what is called a Series 7 license um, and then generally paired with um, a Series 63, 6, 66, um, whatever. We're, we're getting in the weeds here. So that's kind of your, your um, if you're going back to Andy's movie, Financial Advisors, Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, wolf of wall street at the beginning when he's uh meeting with matthew mcconaughey um 
that's what he's talking about, right? Right, Andy? He passed his Series 7. He's out there pitching pitching products. He's got the next best stock tip. Um, and then uh, the investment advisor representative. So, um, so this is going to be more about being able to give financial advice, um, right? And feel free to chime in. Um, anyone. Um, but th this is <clears throat> someone that's going to have, so I, does everyone here have their series 65? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So at my previous employer, I had my series seven and my series 66. So I was, uh, dual registered, um, with, uh, a broker dealer and then, um, an RIA. You can do both. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the firm I worked for, uh, we I and I wasn't out there soliciting sales. I was taking orders and uh, inputting trades in for my clients. And for that, um, I had to have my Series Seven. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but I was also an IAR investment advisor representative with um, our registered investment advisor that also gave financial advice to clients. So it's not the necessarily the buying and selling of the securities. It's more about the giving the advice about specific investments to make and, and all that. And so, um, but now um, I dropped my series seven. It is no longer attached. I'm no longer affiliated with a broker dealer and my series, I haven't checked lately, but I was told my series 66 would, magically transform into series 65, which if you just want to be an investment advisor representative, giving advice and not in the business of, um, selling, um, selling, uh, stocks and bonds securities, as we say, uh, you don't need the seven. And so you just get the series 65 the bill. So, um, I don't know how they do on that. That's, that kind of makes sense. Any, any points of clarification there? Sure. Can I just say one thing to maybe crystallize it? Um, so maybe one way to think about bit about it very simply is the difference between um, like a salesperson and someone that gives advice. Um, and so if I am selling a product, I might have different incentives than, than like the incentives that I would have, like if I'm giving my grandma advice with her life savings or something like that. And so... You know, when you're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, maybe somebody that has their Series 7, there is a very good possibility, and that's maybe how we should view someone like that, is that they are literally a salesman. So um, many of those folks might just think of themselves as someone that is quite simply selling a product. Um, and that is something to be aware of. Uh, and you would probably do something differently if you're going to be giving advice to your grandmother. And so maybe that's the way to think of uh, like a fiduciary, for example, um, or someone that literally is in the advice space when you're talking about like the series 65 and stuff like that. So, you know, it's so, it's so confusing and I'm, my head is spinning, even though like I'm in this industry, but maybe that's the distinction there, like between um, the, uh, the salesman and the actual um, fiduciary. And it, it's not to say that everyone that has the Series 7 is bad, by no means. It's just understanding what that means, you know, just like there can be bad guys out there that have their 65, you know, whatever. 
Um, but I, I like the analogy, just, you know, the salesperson versus the advice. And, and so, um, I know we all are certified financial planners and people might wonder what that has to do with all of this and calling, calling your, your financial advisor, your certified financial planner, your, you know, on and on and on. So how does that fit into the picture, Mike? Um, so I, I guess I think of this, the, a certified financial planner um, and you'll, and you'll see it in all caps. So it's, you have to yell it apparently. Um, so a certified financial planner is, you know, it's, it's, it's a credential just, just like with, you know, uh, uh, an MD or um, why can't I think of any other credentials right now? But, uh, but basically it's like that, that there's, there's education requirements, there's an exam that you have to pass, and then there's experience requirements, and then there's ongoing, continu there's continuing education and ethics requirements to it, right? So, so it's, it's a formalized process and a formalized system to say, in order to say that you are a certified financial planner, then you have to pass through all these gates. And so, so I think that, that's, that's kind of the, the big difference between saying you're a CFP and just saying like, Hey, I'm a, I'm an advisor or I'm a planner or something whenever you're actually, um, you know, whenever you're an insurance salesman instead. Right. Again, insurance salesmen aren't, aren't, aren't bad. You know, I think we just have that overall asterisk over all of the stuff that we're saying. That's this is, this is a good teaser for a future episode. So let, let's leave sort of <laughs> financial planner at that. Um, but to, to just kind of round things out, um, circle back, and when we're trying to decipher who this prospective person is that calls themselves a financial advisor, financial planner that's wanting to work with us, we're wanting to work with them. I guess what are the top, you know, five questions we should be asking about this person to help us understand who we're working with? I mean, I think you could just ask, you know, are you a broker or are you an advisor? And if you're both, what are you operating as when you're helping me? You know, and that kind of relates to the, at least right now, um, who's legally, you know, uh, considered a fiduciary and held to a, a legal, uh, legally held to provide guidance that's in the best interest of the client rather than just transacting a, a sale. Um, and so, you know, are you a broker? Are you an advisor? And, and which are you right now? I think is a fair question. And beyond that, you know, are you a fiduciary? If yes, when, you know, the whole time or uh, when providing advice, but then you can turn around and sell me the product. I mean, every financial professional knows it's confusing and you're not going to make anyone angry by asking. Um, and if they are, uh, you know, I think every financial professional is probably prepared to answer those questions. And, uh, you know, you just have to, to ask and uh, hope that the, the answer that you receive is, uh, you know, satisfactory. That's, that's two. <laughs> what else we got, guys? Yeah, um, I think to maybe take it to the next step. Um, and so, like, let's think of, like, who you are, um, what, what services you're providing, and what, what is your ex experience and credibility, as Mike pointed out, is, like, a very baseline. The next step would just be, like, who is the right fit for you? And here is where the Kansas City Financial Advisors Network Boom. is providing 
um, a pretty valuable service because um, there are, you know, even in even in the world of like certified financial planners, there, you know, not all are created equal, um, and so there are many ways, and I think it's just going to become more and more prevalent to find a financial planner that is the right fit for your own specific situation. Um, and I don't even think like this group here knows all the ways that will be possible, but it's ever expanding in terms of niches. Um, and I think that's the, the kind of next step is finding just who's the right fit for you. Yeah. And to, just to kind of expand on the, on, on that idea is, is that, you know, people have so many different, types of needs and there's so many different situations that it's very it's almost impossible or maybe i'll just say impossible to first for someone to really know all of the ins and outs of each one of those right so and and again plugging the kansas city financial advisors network or xy planning network that it's very much of okay first you go here and then you see what their specialties are and then you find someone that fits your specialties so, so, you know, I'm, I'm big into, you know, the tech employee and the stock compensation and things like that, but I'm not, I don't know Medicare and retirement, you know, for, for retirees and there's, you know, plenty of other things that I don't know. And so, so yeah, it's findings like, yeah, who is your ideal, who's your ideal client? What, you know, basically do you have experience working with people with my problems or with, with the things that I'm thinking about. You better get on board Medicare for all, right? <laughs> uh, anywho. Um, yeah, no, no. Uh, and I'll, I'll plug uh, simple wealth planning there as well. Another place to go. Um, and I, I think the CFP, if I'm not correct, has a, a thing, 10 things to ask your financial advisor on their website, something like that. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, but one, one I, I think is just how do you get paid? How do you make your money? And is it only from me or is there other ways that you get paid? Um, I think it is one to ask. And so, uh, do you get paid on commissions? If so, how does that work? How does that affect the, the products that you're going to recommend? And when we talk about products, we're talking about products like a mutual fund, an ETF, a stock, a bond, insurance. Um, I think I think we say financial products, and um, to the average person, they're like, "What the hell does that mean?" And uh, I'm sticking with the "What the hell" because that's the name of this mini series. So I'm gonna get <laughs> it into the ground. So, um, but yeah, I think how do you get paid? Do you get paid on commission? Um, how does that work? How does that affect the um, things that you're gonna recommend for me? Um, do you get paid for assets under management? And so, um, what does that look like? A per percentage of my, um, assets, my, my investments that you're managing, um, I pay you a percentage of that. You know, generally I think we throw around 1% kind of the standard in the industry. And so as your account grows more, I get paid more. Uh, when the market goes down, like it did in March, I take a pay cut is kind of how that works. It ebbs and flows with the market. Or is it, do you have fee for service like a lot of us do where you offer um, uh, uh, like a, a subscription model or a flat fee 
to retain your services. So kind of asking questions like that. And then uh, um, I think you might've mentioned it, kind of what services do you provide? What am I gonna get for what I'm paying for? Are you just managing my investments? Are you putting together a financial plan? Is that part of the fees that I'm paying or is that additional? Um, that sort of thing. And then uh, maybe another th another thing is uh, um, what type of investments do you use? Um, do, you, do you use mutual funds, ETFs? Are you stock picking? Um, do you use loaded funds, which would have commissions on them? Um, I mean, what, what sort of things are you using and what sort of, um, yeah. Or do you use pre proprietary products? Um, so are, is the investment lineup that you're using have all one name in it? Like, uh, some, some mutual fund companies might have, uh, with their advisors, um, not to throw anybody under the bus, but, uh, so yeah, um, I think with most of us, we're kind of, uh, um, fund family agnostic when it comes to that sort of thing. But, uh, there's some advisors that have incentive to keep all your money in one fund family. So, um, I think those are maybe some things to think about, uh, Tyler, what, what's on your mind, man? Yeah, no, I just like where you were going with that, Kyle. I think um, one important thing a, a prospective client, you know, could ask a, a prospective planner advisor um, is just, hey, when we meet, what are we talking about, right? Like, um, are are we talking about my investment allocation and performance and how it's done the last quarter and if the market's up or down and how much risk we're taking? Or are we talking about, my cash flow and how much I'm saving and if I'm going to be able to uh, retire on time and if I need to, you know, refinance my house to get rid of some PMI or if I'm, uh, you know, saving for a specific goal, am I on track to meet it? I mean, those are two different things. And, you know, or are we talking about uh, insurance analysis or maybe uh, there's some extra risk that I, I need to, to alleviate? So there's just different focuses and i think different advisors or planners or representatives or what brokers whatever it might be have different ideas of what's important and maybe it's all of it the problem i mean at some level it, it those are all important things um but you know what the client is coming in wanting help for you just want to make sure there's a good fit a good match between uh what that advisor feels is important and the help that you're trying to find um and, and just make sure there's alignment there yeah no, that's, that's a good point. You don't want to go to um, a financial advisor looking for a financial plan and the only thing they are offering is investment advice. Um, and uh, and I guess vice versa. You know, you're only wanting some help with the investments and you've got somebody that wants to draw you up a financial plan. Um, not exactly what you're looking for. So, um, cool. Well, kind of closing out last uh, parting words here, I guess. Uh, Mike, what, what are your thoughts kind of recapping what we've talked about um, to summarize? I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess first it's, I, I completely empathize with the, the general public of how confusing this can be. So one of the things that I do in, in the evenings is I'll get on the Facebook and I'm in different personal finance groups, you know, and it's so funny whenever I see someone ask the question of like, Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, I like, I'm thinking about getting a financial advisor, like where I have no idea where to start looking. 
and the number of comments and the, 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 the variety of comments that come up is astounding. You know, there's and and there's kind of this whole there's whole spectrum of people that are so anti financial advisor and then and and then you know it's 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 very difficult you know for me being a planner to answer that question and you know of of course with my bias it's just like well here here's a few websites they they're all CFPs you know whatever and and then you you find what you, what you know what fits for you right but but yeah that it's it's a very difficult question and and the we need to have more clarity to it and and it's just i think we're getting there but there's still a lot of work to do yeah and it's interesting you mentioned that um people being very anti-advisors and i i get the stigma that's behind that but people don't know what they don't know. And and I guess kind of what I mean by that is a lot of people think they have it figured out, but through conversations I've had with some of those people, they have this realization that they're, that this is a little more complex than they realized. Right. And, and so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. And, um, you know, don't be afraid to talk to someone and ask questions. Um, it doesn't mean you have to go with them, but it, it's worth looking into. So, because your situation can be more complex than you you think it is. So, um, I'm not trying to right and just just yeah, sorry, just just kind of circling back to what I was saying at the beginning of just you know, there's there's this perception that it's all just about how you're going to invest my money. Because a lot of times people will say, hey, I need an advisor. And the answers a lot of times are, well, just put it into the S&P 500 fund. And then, you you know, I just saved you a ton of money and you don't need anything else, right? But whereas like true planning is coordinating that with your tax burden and with your insurance and your cash flow and you know all the, all the different things that we cover right so it's it's just kind of it's it's difficult to stay quiet but i i i have to stay quiet during during that as much as possible because it, otherwise i'm just contributing to the noise yeah and i i always preface to uh prospects and clients um when I, right when i bring them on i say we're gonna put this financial plan together and I can guarantee you one thing, it's wrong. <laughs> and their eyes light up. They're like, what the hell? Um, staying with the theme here. And uh, I, I, I follow up. I say, it's going to be wrong. But that's because we're making so many different assumptions here. And you know life changes, right? Nothing goes according to plan. But this is the best thing you can do compared to anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, compared to doing nothing. And so thinking about trying to plan that all in your mind is just crazy to me. Um, when I, when I'm looking at financial planning software, I'm like, how on earth could I do this just in my mind? You know, I've got this massive plan in my mind and, um, I don't know. And I know there's tools out there, but, um, yeah. Anywho, I'm on number two here. So I'm rambling on. So Andy, some parting words for us, buddy. Yeah. Well, when I think about um, a financial planner, you know, there's 
there's elements of being a financial planner that are um, very modern. Like it's a very, very much a modern necessity, but there are also elements that are very ancient and kind of uh, evergreen. And so what I mean by that is the, the kind of modern necessity is that we just live in a complex system. Um, the, the world is, is complex. I think, you know, I, I don't know the, the exact stat, but it's something like 16,000 pages in the tax code. Right. So just navigating the tax code, even for like a, you know, they tried to simplify the, the, uh, the 1099. Right. Um, and uh, it's very complicated. So that's, that's a modern invention, right? Like, like, frankly, like we exist in part because of that complexity. Um, the, you know, the public, public trade equity markets are quite complex as well. But on the other hand, um, there have been, stewards, you know, dating back to biblical times where, um, you know, in the Old Testament, we we know that there were stewards that would advise and manage uh, the, the property of an estate or help manage um, an estate's finances. Um, you know, famously, like Jesus had the parable of the steward, right? And so I think even if we were to throw out the entire book of the tax code and just start from scratch, which would be, would be wonderful. I know that probably will never happen. Financial planners will still exist um, just because people will continue to have problems with their money and they will look to a steward um, to help them with that. And so that's kind of how I think of it. It's both a, um, kind of a modern profession, but also a very ancient profession as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the process is the same, but everybody's situation is unique, I think is kind of the, um, if that kind of makes sense, um, we still follow the same process, but every situation fits into that process in a, in a unique way. So, um, to your point about the tax code, the, the last relief bill was like 5,500 pages, right? They had to wheel it in on a dolly cause it was so big. Yeah. Mm. Anywho, <laughs> Tyler, you're our last man, last man laying down. No, I had to move. The dog was barking. So I'm in my uh, daughter's room now uh, so with the door closed. Um, no, I think I, I just hope that we, I don't know if we've made things better or worse for people today, honestly. <laughs> it's just so, uh, it's so complicated and, and it doesn't need to be, but it is. And, um, you know, I tell clients frequently when they start getting, you know, not frustrated, but just realizing the complexity that they, that they don't understand. And they're, they're usually, you know, grateful that we're there to help um, provide uh, some direction. But like, there are complicated things in our clients' lives that they will always know way more about than we do. We just happen to have studied this, you know, personal finance and 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 uh, been a part of the industry where we can help provide, you know, shed some light. Um, but you know, it, I just I never want anyone to feel that you know bad for not understanding immediately or getting it. And so um, as much as we can just share that it's uh, it is complicated and it should feel confusing um, and, you know, as best you can to find uh, the professional who's providing the information that you're looking for in a way that is, uh, you know, reasonably compensated and, and fair and above board. And um, we all have our you know, particular biases depending on, on how we operate. But, um, you know, we, I think we've talked a little bit today about what a financial planner does and also what we call ourselves. And, and hopefully that helps uh, 
people sort through who they should be looking for. And the last thing I'd add, and I don't know if you want to throw some links in the, the show notes, Kyle, but like there are some websites you can go to to kind of uncover what is the person who you're talking to. Um, so there's uh, brokercheck.org. It's put on by the Financial Industry Regu- Regulatory Authority, FINRA. Um, there's yep. also the IAPD, which is the Investment Advisor uh, Public Disclosure Database or Public Database, something like that. So there are, you can go to the SEC uh, website, Security and Exchange Commission. Yeah, that's that's not the zoo boy over there. That's not the uh, Southeastern Athletic Conference. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so you can you can find out who is the person and also who is their firm and and you know how are they registered and how are they operating, um, and so that's important. But beyond that, just getting to know the person that's sitting on the other side of the table, uh, talking to them and getting comfortable with how they're how they operate and how they work, and making sure that you trust them to give you advice that is in your best interest and that you're going to enjoy meeting with them and that they understand you and get where you're coming from and can provide advice that's going to help you reach your goals. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what everybody wants. And, um, you know, all these different uh, inputs, you know, different differences between how each person approaches it matter. But at the end of the day, um, it's still a a human industry, you know, a one-on-one consultative uh, industry where um, there's a level of trust there that needs to be established and maintained. Yeah. 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 I'm sure I made things more confusing for everyone, but um, I'll put those links to broker check and then the SEC's uh, IAPD. I always get it wrong. Um, this disclosures page and you can go on and read um, uh, uh, the firm's ADV. That's fun stuff. If you want to go to sleep. Um but, uh, but yeah, I'll, uh, I, th- I think that's kind of a good point to wrap at. Um, but yeah, just don't be afraid to ask questions, I think is, is, is the thing. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And if you have any questions about who someone is, feel free to reach out to us. Um, I'm, I'm pretty transparent on, uh, my thoughts, opinions and, 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 uh, tell you how it is. So, um, and I, I think you all will do the same and, um, I'm not a fan of, uh, I'm not a big fan of sp- safe spaces, but, uh, kind of to your point there, Tyler, um, the, it's confusing. And so there's not, I don't want people to feel like there's dumb questions. So this is a safe space where you can come and ask these questions. Um, Anywho, uh, we'll put some links to you guys in, in the show notes. Uh, we've got them in, in previous episodes put a link to uh, the KC Financial Advisor Network. Guys, go check it out. It's a beautiful website that Mike built and some great advisors on there. And uh, until next time, what's a financial plan? Hey, you made it. Way to go. Thanks for listening to Personal Finance from the Hilltop. I hope you enjoyed the show today. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes and find them on previous episodes. We'll continue with our What the Hell Is series or mini-series, whatever you want to call it, in our next episode. Maybe you heard some teasers in there as to what we're going to talk about next. I know 2021 is off to a little bit of a rough start, but I'm still looking forward to what 2021 has in store for us. 
I have some ideas for future episodes and guests that I'm really excited for. And we'll continue to bring you this podcast jam-packed with information you want to know about personal finance so you're equipped to make the best decisions for your situation. That is, until we get canceled by the tech overlords. Now, if you'd like more information about me or Hilltop Financial Planning, you can visit hilltopfp.com, no dash. For links and resources mentioned in the podcast, be sure to check out the show notes, um, which also includes... uh, our little fun facts. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you get all the new episodes when they drop. If you like today's episode and want more of this content, I'm going to ask you for a little favor and leave us a five-star review um, of the episode and the podcast. Not sure exactly what that does, but hey, stars are good, right? You can find personal finance from The Hilltop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, The Hilltop website, and Amazon Music. Again, as long as the tech overlords allow us on there. At Hilltop, we continue to bring on new clients, so if you or someone you know are interested in discussing how we can help you find financial freedom, go to our website and click on Schedule a Call in the upper right-hand corner. We offer a free 30-minute introductory call. There's no sales pitch. It's just a conversation about you and what you're looking for and how I can help. Now, lastly, the dreadful, scary disclaimer that my attorneys on retainer want me to mention. Okay, let's be honest. I don't have attorneys on retainer. I don't even have attorneys. Bill Richmond is not on my payroll. This is what I was advised by my compliance group to disclose, and that is... Everything on this podcast is my opinion or my guest's opinion and is not meant to be taken as investment advice because I'm not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as a fiduciary. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Hilltop Financial Planning LLC is a state-registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri, but serves clients nationwide where exempt from registration. Another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop in the books. Signing off from the hilltop, I'm Kyle Hill.